choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One we are willing to postpone. And one we intend to win. Here's a ground ball right side. Could do it. The What is up, everybody? Episode four of Beyond the Diamond podcast is here on the Apollo HOU podcast network. Brian Lima here is one of your co-hosts, joined by Apollo Dez. Follow us on Twitter at Apollo HOU. Dez can be found at Apollo Dez one, and I can be found at B Lima seven ninety. Dez, here we are. It's episode four. The Astros are back home. They just had their home opener. Uh, which we attended, the Astros, you know, just, well, they hit a little bit of a lull, which we, you know, we said uh, two episodes ago, you took over uh, on Thursday. I was on the five-day IL. I've come off of the IL and I'm back full strength, 100% ready to rock. Uh, But against the Athletics, they were one and two. They won the home opener six to two, lost game two, six to two. And they lost the Saturday afternoon game, 7-3. to And one thing that we saw, the bats kind of went cold. Yeah. Um, well, the home opener, let me touch base on that first. It was a raucous party. It was the first time we were all back in the stadium since that fateful game 7 in 2019. And the crowd showed up and showed out. Uh, it really did feel like an atmosphere uh, of, a, of a playoff game. Uh, the fans were just itching to be back. Uh, it was really cool to be uh, in the stadium, seeing a bunch of Apollo gear, just ro- walking around. Uh, I, I, that was honestly one of the coolest moments of my life, um, seeing these people wearing our mask and our shirts and just uh, even coming up and having drinks with us in the fifth inning. So uh, that was really cool. Uh, other than that, really good baseball on that Thursday night. And then into the weekend, it just, like you said, a lull. wasn't great. Bats kind of went quiet. Um, Pitching was decent uh, by our starters, our bullpen. We had we may have to talk about that a little bit today, but uh, a definite lull and dropping uh, two on uh, the last three game series is is tough going into a Sunday off day. Yeah, and and to go back to the home opener, as far as baseball is concerned, uh, Christian Javier got the start, five innings, three hits, no runs, two walks, seven Ks. Uh, Ryan Stanek pitched well again. We saw Blake Taylor, uh, Paredes, Joe Smith, Brooks Raley. Uh, a collective good outing for the staff. Uh, they only gave up six hits, two earned runs, walked four, struck out 10 as a whole. And then on the offensive side of things, uh, Correa had a double, Tucker had a double, Jordan Alvarez uh, hit a bomb, also had a double. Correa also hit a home run. Uh, Altuve was only one for four. Brantley was only one for four. And then the two, two guys that didn't record a hit were Alex Bregman and Eula Gurriel. So as far as the home opening is concerned, it was great. It was awesome. Um, like you said, it felt amazing to be back in the stands. We had our pregame party at Pitch 25. Shout out to Pitch 25 for hosting us, which was awesome to, to see all the, the gear being, being rocked. Uh, the beer was flowing. It was a good atmosphere. Then getting into the stadium, it was, um, Man, I'm trying to how, trying to think how to explain it. It was kind of uh, kind of weird at first because we haven't been there in in so long. For sure. Um, but it was good. It was it was great to get back into the stadium, and the crowd was was unbelievable. I mean, for what I think it was at fifty percent capacity, so you could say twenty twenty two thousand fans. Yeah. Uh, it didn't sound like that. It sounded like it was more. I mean, I think everybody was was amped and ready to go, or ready to get back into Minute Maid Park. And then Friday night's game, you went to Friday night's game. I only went to Thursday night. Uh, Lance McCullers had an outing, and he was pumping 97. And I think at one point, he, he had a big strikeout, and it sounded like Minute Maid Park, you know, the roof was blown off because the crowd was so loud. Yeah, I, Lance, I, I, I prefaced in episode three that I thought Lance was going to probably top out probably one of his highest pitches of the year on this start just because he's one of those guys that feeds off the crowd and that energy, and he's amped to be back. and. 
I didn't really, I didn't even think about it until Julia Morales tweeted that that was the first start Lance had in front of fans since the ALCS in 2018, obviously because he missed 2019 with Tommy and then came back last year and there's no fans at the stands. Um, so to have that energy, I bet that was pretty damn exciting for him. He pitched out of some really good, um, really good opportunities where we wanted to see Lance take that next step as a front end rotation arm. Uh, now that he's gotten paid like that, we want to see the maturation and the growth of Lance McCullers. And I think we saw it, um, with Carlos Carrera making an error that we'd never see him do. Uh, Lance was in a situation with bases loaded one out and pitched out of it without giving up a run. And that's what front end guys do. You know, they limit damage when they can, they pitch out of some, you know, dangerous situations. And, um, just the story of the game with Lance was that new slider. Uh, he's got to work on um, maybe extending his outings a little bit better. Um, but I think as the season goes on, we'll see that. It's just when you have to throw 35 pitches in one inning due to some errors behind you, it's, it's going to be tough to get into that sixth, seventh inning. But uh, overall, Lance pitched very damn good, and the, and the crowd reciprocated that energy, and it was a damn playoff atmosphere for sure on that Friday night. Yeah, for Lance, the stat line, five innings, two hits, one run. One run, which that was an earned run. Three walks, six Ks, and he, and he allowed a home run. So if you look at the stat line compared to his first start in Oakland, it was a damn near identical. Five innings, two hits, one run, three walks, seven Ks, no home runs. So the fastball velocity was there. Obviously a little bit juiced with the home crowd pitching at home for the first time in, in two years. Uh, the pitch count, you know, we talked about this off offline. The pitch count is is worrisome. Um, so, you know, you hope to see that go down as the season continues. He's gotten through solid five both outings um, and only allowed one run in both starts with two hits. So, you know, it's obviously it's still early, uh, but you want to see the development to continue to grow for Lance McCullers Jr. Brian Abreu, Friday night, looked damn good. Two and a third, one hit, one run. No walks, 1K. And he got the loss. That's what sucks. That outing was wasted. He looked very impressive in spring training when we were down there in West Palm. He came in a lot thinner. He's lost weight, put on muscle, uh, you know, or coming lean, I guess you could say. And Friday night, he looked, I mean, my goodness, he looked really damn good. Uh, Blake Taylor, not so good. Joe Smith, not so good. Both of them gave up two runs. Two earned runs each um, with one walk. You know, Joe Smith, man, this year he has not looked good. It's He's struggled, to say the least. Uh, his ERA right now, and I know ERA is, you know, here or there stat, but 13.5 right now is for Joe Smith. Um, yeah. So he's going to have to, yeah, he's going to have to get some adjustments made. Uh, and he's a veteran, so we know he can do it. Uh, it's just kind of frustrating to see here early on him struggling. Uh, especially when, when, you know, Brian Abreu passes the ball to Blake Taylor. Blake Taylor comes in for only two-thirds of an inning and gives up two hits, two earned runs right out of the gate, um, which, you know, when, when you look at the offensive side, I think they only had six hits, seven hits from start. No, yeah, seven hits. Uh, Kyle Tucker 0 for 3. Jordan, yeah, this was the stat that I was talking about offline. So yeah. Michael Brantley 0 for 5. Bregman 0 for 4. Jordan 0 for 4. Kyle Tucker, 0 for 4. You combine those guys, you've got 3, 7, 11, 16. 0 for 16. It's not going to win ballgames. It's not. It's not. And we're going to see, we're going to see a, um, that bottom half of the lineup carry this team throughout the year. It's just, it's just baseball right, right. now. Um, first home series, there, there's an argument to be made that I think, that the hitter's eye at Minute Maid Park is fucking with our batter's eyes. It's not doing its job because it makes zero sense that this offense is night and day better on the road than at home. Um, it just feels like we're so streaky at home and we're more consistent on the road. And there's something that we may need to look into our, with our numbers guys and, and look into that more. I just feel like that hitter's eye is just different. You have all that stuff going on in center field with the new bars and new all new, you know, flashy signs and stuff. I, I that's something we have to look into. Um, but yeah, I, the the bullpen is just 
I don't know. Brian Abreu pitched his ass off, and when you hand it off to Blake Taylor, you expect Blake Taylor to get that last out that inning, and then he gives up a knock, and then Matt Olson hits a upper deck tank off him, and the game's over like that. So, um, he needs to round into his back in the 2020 form. We need that arm very badly, and um, hopefully Joe Smith can figure it out. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you talk about Blake Taylor, the best thing about Blake Taylor is he's a lefty specialist. I mean, you come in, you get your your one opportunity to face a lefty-on-lefty situation, and if you piss that away, then you got to go face Matt Olson. and we saw what Matt Olson did. We talked about Matt Olson, I think, on either episode one or maybe it was the watch party or, you know, during the La Lima Lounge, and you and I were both on the side of Matt Olson is pretty damn good. Uh, I think Rivert was the one that was saying he wasn't good. Obviously, Rivert is Rivert. He makes fire takes, whatever you want to say. But you can't let you can't serve it up to Matt Olson. He's going to make you pay every single time. And we saw that. Um, I think one of the things, interesting things that you talked about with the hitter's eye is there was always always been talk of the hitter's hitter eye at Minute Maid Park because you went from having Taos Hill, you got rid of that a couple years ago, and then you bring in the the dead center wall with i think it's you know fake ivy or whatever it is it's a green green on green but then if i remember correctly in 2018 during the playoffs um there was talk amongst journalists and tv people and everything that i heard in the um oh my gosh my mind's going blank um in the press box that there was something to be made of uh the hitter's eye and that they would try to minute Maid park would try to look at it in the off season. Um, maybe it was, maybe it was 2019. I can't remember. It was either 2018 or 2019. There was something going on with it. So that's something to watch for sure. Um, because, you know, for the Astros to, you know, and obviously they have a game on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday against the Tigers. We'll talk about that in the third segment. They have more games at home, but you would really think, that the Astros will be able to put together better outings offensively uh, at home, especially in front of a, a home crowd now. Because, you know, what they did <clears throat> in Oakland was astounding as far as swinging the baseball bat. Now you come home and, and you kind of, you know, you put together, you got four guys going 0 for 16. That's something, there could be something there. So I think it's just something to watch. It's, it's a good point to raise. Um, and then obviously, you know, <clears throat> this, this is game two we're talking about. You look at game three, and, I mean, it was almost similar, some of the same. They, yeah. they get beat six to three, and if you look down, you know, you look down the offensive side of things, I think Jordan, Jordan at one point was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, and then his first at-bat in game three of the series, he struck out again, so five straight. It was six. Six, my God. What is that? I mean, four. Six straight at-bat with. So you got. Actually, seven. It was his last at bat game one of the series. He he struck out. And then he had the sombrero yeah. uh, game two, and then he led off the first two uh, at bats game three with strikeouts. And that's, so it's seven at bats in a row with seven Ks. And then Jordan says, "You know what? I'm just gonna lay yeah, down drop a bunt, try lays this lays down a little a little drag bunt on the shift, easy single. That's sometimes that's what you gotta do to break out of the little slump. You know, you gotta you gotta you do need something a, to change. The look, you need a slump buster, right? So why not yeah. try to, you know, drop down a bun against the shift? So you have three, three strikeouts is the hat trick, four is the golden sombrero. What's five? We used to call it the welder's mask. Ooh, I, we call it platinum. Okay, yeah. So we, we had the platinum as well, but some guys like to call it the welder's mask. Um, okay. That's a little West Texas. My goodness. Six in a row, man. That's tough, but, you know. So we got the seven. So what is that? Uh, Are we just going to call it a diamond sombrero? No, I mean, call it, uh, we'll think about, we'll think of something. I don't know. Uh. Yeah, seven in a row, dude. That is tough. I hope we don't have to talk about it ever again because seven's seven's bad. Yeah, and and the Astros in game three had nine hits, but I mean they're scattered across pretty much the entire lineup. Yeah. I mean they only scored three runs. Uh Jose Urquidy, six innings, seven hits, four earned runs. Look, Urquidy pitched well. <clears throat> He pitched well. There is he made one mistake all day, and it was to Ramon Liriano who put one on the train tracks. The other the other two runs they scored, he it was it was baffling to me that he, he didn't throw his changeup at yeah, all. Yeah, so I, I and yeah, that's that's you know it made zero sense. I don't know what the game plan was going into 
this this A's game where they were stacking lefties and that changeup's gonna it's gonna fall out of his yeah. hand just perfectly, and he didn't go to it till like the fifth, like the fourth or fifth inning, and he, he was cruising, and then he gave up four straight singles in a row on first pitch fastballs, and I was like, hey, let's mix in a little off speed here, Machete. Let's let's game plan a little bit smarter than this, and it made zero sense. Yeah. He made one mistake to to Liriano, but other than that. The game plan was kind of baffling. I understand trying to establish your fastball. I think one of the coolest things that I got to do as a kid is watch Josh Beckett grow up right down the street from me. Uh, and then when yeah. he got, when he made his way through the minors so quick and got up to the big leagues, one of the things that he always did was he established his fastball. Um, he had an electric fastball, you know, that, that guys just really couldn't touch. And his game plan through the first time through the order was prove to me that you can hit my fastball. Jose Arquiti doesn't have that. So to to try to establish the fastball for as long as he did and got hit towards the later part of what, did you say the third or the fourth? I think it was. Yeah. I mean, at some point you got to switch it up and he's got a good changeup. And if you're, if you're a right-handed pitcher and you're throwing a changeup to a left-handed pitcher or to a left-handed hitter, it's going to fall off the table. Get guys out in front swinging, especially when you've thrown so many fastballs and you mix in that changeup. Don't understand why he didn't throw it more. And that was one of the things that Robert Ford and, and Sparky were talking about on the broadcast. I listened to a lot of it on the radio. I was out traveling around um, and I was listening to it on Sports Talk 790. And these, you know, Sparky pitched in the big leagues and he was saying, you know, I would like to see him mix in a changeup. So I'm thinking in my head, like, what the hell is going on? What are we doing? Why, why are we not mixing in a changeup more to these lefties? And, you know, it didn't work out. Four runs, seven Ks, you know, scattered across six innings and he got the loss so I, I don't know that's obviously again i know we may be nitpicking it's early in the season but man i just it just seems it just seems to be a little lethargic on and off the field uh it just didn't look good i mean oakland don't get me wrong we yeah we swept oakland the first four games it, it looked good winning five in a row against them but there's still the oakland a's that went to the alds last year like they're still a good right. club so you can't sleepwalk no. against them it's not it's not the Baltimore Orioles or Detroit Tigers. Like you have to play all the way through the whistle. It's a it's a show for the reason. And it just didn't seem like the boys were there. And they lost. They got their butts handed. Yeah, one one good one good sign uh in game three was Ryan Presley came in and he pitched well. Uh only gave up one hit. The the fluidity of the motion looked good. He's a hundred percent healthy. The rhythm was good. Uh he was smooth. So that's one one good thing because uh, last year obviously battled some injuries. The year prior battled some injuries. So coming into this this spring training, he was healthy. He's a hundred percent good to go now, and he looked good. Um, obviously, it was kind of you know a, a hey get in there, get some reps in. I think he threw yeah he threw seventeen pitches, eleven of them being strikes. Uh, so that's a good sign for the back back part of the bullpen. Stanick came in and threw another inning, uh, gave up an earned run. But he's getting his first one as a first one as a yeah. Nice. He's getting his money's worth. That's for sure. He's pitched in. I think he's made an appearance in every single game so far this season. Uh, Brandon Belak tossed an inning, not a good outing. Two hits, two, two earned runs. Um, so and look at the end of the day, the, the Astros are human, right? We knew we said this a couple episodes ago. We knew that the Astros weren't going to continue to hit like they have. They're going to, you know. Professional pitchers are going to be able to find ways to get these guys out. And that's what we saw this weekend. The, the, the A's are no slouch, right? I know they kind of started off slow, but the A's are the A's. They're always going to be that pesky team that really never goes away. So at the end of the day, they came in. They took care of business. You know, they, they handed the Astros two L's. Okay, short memory. Look forward to uh, welcoming A.J. Hinch and the Detroit Tigers into town, which they open up on Monday, today. Well, we're recording Sunday, but Monday. Yeah. So I don't know. What are, what are, I guess looking back at the season or at the series with the A's, what's your final take on it? Uh, I think just that little breath I just had right there just describes it. It, it wasn't great. It's nothing to write home about. It's a second week of the season. I just would have liked the energy to keep going. But I mean, I'm not going to complain of um, where we are right now as a team. Um, the Angels are playing good baseball as well. We're, I believe we're we're both at six and three. So, 
Um, we'll take it. Nine games in, we're six and three. Yeah, I think that that sums it up pretty well. So that's going to do it for the first segment. Segment two is on its way. We will cover the Astros welcoming AJ Hinch back and the Detroit Tigers. They come in for a three-game stand starting on Monday evening. We'll come back with segment two here on Beyond the Diamond Podcast. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the second segment of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Brian Lalima and Apollo Dez here with Beyond the Diamond. And Dez, we look forward to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the Astros welcome in the Detroit Tigers and none other than A.J. Hinch, former manager of the Houston Astros. Uh, A.J. Hinch did so many good things for this organization. Um, He's coming back. Obviously, he was fired after, or well, he was suspended by MLB after the cheating scandal, the sign stealing scandal. Then allegedly. allegedly, sorry. And then he was ultimately fired along with Jeff Luno, the former general manager of the Houston Astros. He sat out, he served a suspension during a COVID year. And then as I mean, literally as soon as it ended, he had another job, which we saw coming. We all knew that there was no way that A.J. Hinch was going to stay out of baseball. Um, and now he's the manager of the Detroit Tigers. And a lot of talk of, do you, you know, for some reason people are actually asking, is A.J. Hinch going to get booed when he comes back to Minute Maid Park? Yeah, those people are idiots. A.J. Hinch should be getting a freaking standing ovation mm-hmm. that lasts an nothing hour. Less. Like, nothing less. Nothing less than an hour. I want everyone to... St- cheering for straight hour and i want a camera on crane and i want that camera to just be all awkward because what he did was a egregious egregious firing of two gentlemen that built this organization that it created billions of dollars to his own net net worth and now aj's the manager for the the skipper for the Detroit Tigers, and he's in a good spot. And the team's young. I probably he probably has feelings like that's like the 13, 14 Astros going into that that 15 year. You have a lot of young up and coming top prospects, um, and they're in a good spot with him. But tomorrow, I expect, or today, as this recording drops, an hour long standing ovation for AJ. As it is what he deserves, as it should be. At no point in time should anybody be booing AJ Hint. They should give him a standing ovation. It is well-deserved. If you look at what happened in the fallout of the science-stealing scandal, you had Jeff Luno, you had A.J. Hinch. They were the quote-unquote two culprits. They were both suspended. Later on, I can't remember if it was the next day, same day, they were both fired. To me, I've talked about this numerous times with people. You didn't have to fire A.J. Hinch. You're going to fire somebody. You fire Jeff Luno. I'm sorry. You want to make a scapegoat within the organization? It starts at the top. It's either the owner or it's the general manager. And in this instance, it should have been the general manager. Sorry, but that's just, it is what it is. You could have let. And even, you could, even then, you could have found a scapegoat of a bench coach. Right. You could have done something else. Look what the Red Sox did. They pinned it on one guy and they went back, got Cora after the season. They, yeah. Like, they rehired uh, him. Re, literally rehired him. And. I don't know if there's some backroom deal that allowed uh, the commissioner and, and Mr. Crane to keep the title without being stripped. And he was just like, hey, you're going to fire these guys behind closed doors or whatever it is. Because uh, it made zero sense. The Red Sox, who were doing a, a probably more advanced cheating technique, uh, got Cora. They won a title. He gets suspended. And you know what they do? They go back. They wait a year. Get him back. So 
it made it made zero sense. It, it will never make sense to me ever. And uh, yeah, Dusty's doing good things here. Yeah, the boys are 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 battling through it, but um, Detroit has a good one with AJ Hinch. Yeah, and and AJ Hinch this morning here on on Sunday morning uh, addressed the media. And he was quoted as saying, the Houston fans have been been incredible to me, both before the sign stealing, after the sign stealing, when I was the manager there. It's home for me. That city matters to me. Obviously, it will be a very emotional when I see him. Uh, also said, quote, I haven't let myself go there emotionally on returning to Houston. Probably tonight after the game, I land in the city and I have to go to a hotel I've never stayed, stayed at before. It's home for me. So there's a lot of emotions that are going to be involved and they're a really good team. So... AJ Hinch is coming back home, and, and you got to think like it's it's going to be an extremely weird experience. Um, I th- you brought up Jim Crane. Do you think Jim Crane and AJ Hinch speak before this series? Yes, just because the professionalism. It, yeah, the professionalism of it all. Um, if they were to pass each other at a bar or walking on the street. There would probably be no word spoken, but the professionalism of it all, I could see them um, exchanging some sort of pleasantries. Um, unless Crane just wants to sit up in his box, I don't know. I I see them talking. Um, I'm sure we'll 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 know early and often um, when that does happen because there'll be some news. Um, I I guarantee you all the boys are going to be talking to their old skipper throughout throughout the beginning of each game during BP and all that. Um, and then it's us on the fans to give him the homecoming and reception that he truly deserves. Uh, I know the Astros probably won't have a video of him or anything like that, which is a uh, damn, which is a damn shame in my opinion. A damn shame. It's a travesty. I mean, <laughs> and I hope, I hope the Astros do do something for him. I doubt they will. Um, but it's a damn shame that he's not going to get a hero's welcome for the organization. But at least from the fans, he he fucking deserves. Yeah, that. you know, you, you look at at. Uh, you look at what the Astros organization was. They were losing over 100 games a year. I, I personally remember going to a game during the summer of 2011, and they were awful. I mean, they were god-awful. There was probably 11,000 fans there when I was there. We bought tickets. We bought $5 tickets, and we sat second row. It was throwback night, so you had dollar hot dogs, dollar drinks. I mean, you name it just to try to get fans in the stands, and there was barely 11,000 fans there. So you look at a couple years of literally losing over 100 games. That is, like, that's horrendous. Did you, did you, do you remember going to some of those games? Yeah, I was in college during the bad lean years, so I was very lucky to uh, not have to be a part of it day-to-day because I was, you know, I had my own baseball season going yeah. on. Um, but when we came back after school, those dog days in summer yeah. going and, and pretty much people were paying you to go to the game. Um, I do remember those days and Jeff Luthow and AJ Hinch were the ones to write the right. ship. And, and they, man, you know, you talk about, so I, I went back to play baseball in college in the fall of 2010. So I was also away at school playing, playing baseball. Uh, during those really bad years. So the only time I really experienced it was during the summers. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and I was coaching Banditos baseball. So tickets, tickets were very easily obtainable through Banditos. I mean, everybody, I mean, there was all kinds of different people that used to walk through, the, through those doors. And so I wouldn't go unless it was a throwback night, which we went, or it was free tickets. And even then, it was still just really tough baseball to watch. The Astros make a really good move. They bring in A.J. Hinch, they bring in Jeff Luno, and they absolutely, completely turn the organization around. Look, listen to this, Brian. A.J. Hinch became the manager at 41 years old for the Houston Astros at 2015. Obviously, we know we, we beat the Yankees. He went at 86 and 76 that first year. Uh, 2016, we know that was our down year. We went 84 and 78. And then this is when the golden run started. 17 World Series champs went 101 and 61. Uh, 2018, we were we won 103 games, lost 59. Uh, if we didn't face a Red Sox wagon that had Alex Cora and his cheating 
uh, ways and all the injuries that team could very well and the and the umpires, and that, that yeah really I mean literally that be. year everything went right for the Red Sox 100%. everything went right for them and then 19 you had the greatest Astros team ever to play the ever play uh, AL pennant champs 107 uh, 107 wins 55 losses uh, obviously we know not winning a World Series game at home but five years of AJ Hinch not one losing season so you you have three straight two pennants. Yeah. And, a and three straight seasons of over 100 wins. Yeah. So you go from having three straight seasons of over 100 losses, a couple years later, you have two good years, and then you go straight into three seasons of 100 straight wins, or over 100 straight yeah. wins. Or not straight wins, over 100 wins, three straight seasons. Yeah. I mean, so after five years, a uh, winning percentage of, of 594, 481 wins, 329 losses, two pennants in the World Series title. I, this guy deserves an hour standing ovation. Yeah. It, At least an hour. At least. You look what the city had to endure with how bad the Astros were. And then A.J. Hinch, Jeff Luno come in, and they turn the organization around, and they bring joy back to the city when it comes to baseball. For them not to do something for A.J. Hinch is asinine to me. I think it's – I wouldn't go embarrassing because I get somewhat of why they're not going to do it because – at the end of the day, all that's ever going to be next to A.J. Hinch's name when it comes to, to the Astros, oh, he was the guy that, was, that didn't stop the sign stealing. And that's going to stay with him for the rest of his career, even though it shouldn't yeah. because he did so many other good things. I mean, the, the, the bad for, this bad thing is going to outweigh the good for what he did with the Astros, even though it shouldn't. Because you look at, we just talked about it, what he did as a manager and the head, head of the ship here for the Astros is unbelievable. We endured that bullshit three, four years of them just being embarrassing. And then he comes in yep. and he does so many good things and people aren't going to talk about those unless you're in the city of Houston. Outside of the city of Houston, when it comes to A.J. Hinch and what he did for the Astros, all that's ever going to be attached to him is the science dealing, which is total bullshit to me. Look, as this is how great of a human being this guy is, he gets fired and gets pinned for all this right he's the manager he goes down with the ship they they get rid of him they fire him whatever crane's an idiot he had an opportunity to protect himself as a manager as a man as a person in major league baseball and he could have easily put it on anyone he he was fired he could have put it on a player he could have put it on a coach he could have put it on anyone but he sat in that interview and he didn't rat anyone out not one not one person he took all the hits he jumped on all the grenades he protected his guys still when they weren't even his guys he protected every single one of those players and that's what a skipper does and that speaks volumes to me because in an opportunity for him to protect himself in his name after it's thrown in the mud he still protected his guys because those are his guys and I, it just it baffles me that he is not um, the manager for the Houston Astros. Yeah, and, and I, I think personally for me, and again, we talked about this offline, one of the coolest things about what I got to do when I was covering the Astros for Sports Talk 790 was I got to interview A.J. Hinch every single day that I was at the ballpark. And I remember being a wide-eyed, just absolutely terrified 20 man 27 year old is when i got the job with 790 and they threw me in the dugout and they said hey you have to interview agent hinch 330 don't be late what okay that's it yeah you know run with it you got it you play baseball you know how to talk the game figure it out after the interview i asked him and i explained myself introduced myself and i said if there's just I said, I want to be a different type of sports reporter. I don't want to ask these fluffy bullshit questions that these TV people around Houston ask them. Hey, how does it feel to have your family in the stands? Hey, what do you think about the weather? Dumb shit like that. I don't want to be that guy. I want to talk baseball. I want to show off the baseball IQ that I have. I want to talk about the ins and outs. I want to know why you've got Carlos Correa as your lead guy and you've got AJ or uh, you've got uh, Jose Altuve as your trash guy, as your, your you know, you know, in a, in a double cut four type situation in the middle of, in the middle of a pennant race in September. I, that's what I want to talk about. And I explained that to him. And he said, yeah, he said, I can meet with you for, for five to 10 minutes after media availability. 
Is that okay with you? And I said, absolutely. And that's what we did. That was one of the coolest things. And that's because it's AJ Hinch. I don't know. I've met plenty of managers from opposing teams. Obviously, when they come in for their media, media availability, they don't give you the same uh, opportunities because they're on the road. You're not their home uh, journalist guys. You're not, not the home media, whatever. But just for him to do that, it just kind of speaks volumes about what type of man AJ Hinch is. Obviously, it's unfortunate what happened with the sign stealing. He even said it himself. He tried. He should have stopped it more. He should have stopped it as as soon as he saw that there was picking up again. Because I think there was a report that he destroyed one of the monitors with a fungo because he was so pissed off and so tired of it. And then he said he allowed it to continue after that. He should have stopped it. But it is what it is. It's in the past. And then another thing I think of. The Detroit Tigers hired him as soon as last season ended. So you're, tell- so you're telling me that this guy was so bad for baseball that an organization probably was talking to him during the season. I guarantee you there were talks beyond, behind the scenes, off the record. Hey, AJ, we know your suspension ends on X, amount, X date. We want to offer you. Will, will you be willing to come, you know, come meet with us, blah, blah, blah. He was hired that quick. So I don't want to hear this whole thing that Jim Crane should have fired him. He didn't have to fire him. He could have let him serve a suspension. You deal with a little bit of media backlash, and then you move forward. Either way, the Astros were going to deal with bullshit regardless of who was the manager is. We're still, exactly. The Astros are still dealing with it. Dusty Baker gets it every damn game. Unless they're at home. Every road game, they're going to get booed. Stuff is going to get thrown on the field. These, these fans are going to act like total asses. National media is going to dog out the Astros for another couple of years. It is what it is. They could have done it with A.J. Hinch. And yep. I know this may, be, this may be apples to oranges, two different sports, but do you remember when the New Orleans Saints got caught with the bounty scandal? Do you remember when they were paying yep. their players to hurt? Bounty yeah, gate. Bounty Gate. They were paying their players to knock other players out. There was like a $50,000 hit on Brett Favre. If you can knock Brett Favre out of the game, we'll give you 50 grand and we'll take you to the best steak dinner you've ever had. They suspend, the NFL suspended Sean Payton. He was the head coach. He still is the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. They suspended him. He served his suspension. Did he get fired? No, he did not. He's still the freaking coach of the New Orleans Saints. There's a good example of what Jim Crane should have done. How many times do we see the Patriots get busted for some sort of bending of the rules I, or some cheating? I mean, there's so the many of them. Is still there's there. so many of them. I, it, 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 it's baffling to me that our owner decided to do what he did that. It made zero sense. You're ready to be the bad boys. You're ready. Like you said, you're going to get booed. You're going to all this stuff's going to happen anyways. It doesn't matter. Every single player from that 2017 team can literally quit tomorrow and it still wouldn't be good enough for everyone. So why not bring back the guy who helped navigate it all? And so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's frustrating, man. It really is. Let you know, you 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 said it earlier. He went down with the ship. Okay, well give the man the opportunity to write the ship. Yep. Give the opera give the man the opportunity to write Absolutely. the ship. Absolutely. That that's where it stands for me. And and we see it the other night in, in Anaheim. You had guys booing um Oh my God! Who was it? What, they were applauding Max Stassi, who was they were, on the team. Yep. In 2017 for the Astros, but they were booing someone for the Astros that wasn't on the team. They were booing Grinky and Maladano, who Maladano was with the Angels. Maldonado, yeah, Maldonado. That's who it was. Grinky was with the Diamondbacks, yeah. and Stassi was up to bat, and they were cheering for Stassi, who was on the 2017. Uh, these fans don't they, know anything. They, they're simple sheep. They're just right. going. They're, it's the cool thing to do is a bash on the Astros. It's the cool thing to do on Twitter, and they have no fucking so clue about it. No clue. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Dusty Baker's the manager. It doesn't matter if it's AJ Hinch. Fuck my roommate Sam Pastrue could be the the manager of the Astros, and there's Sammy Stats. Sammy Stats could be, they would, and they still boo him. They would be. They would still boo him. 25-year-old kid could be the damn manager of the Houston Astros and they would still boo him because they don't have a clue. So it doesn't fucking matter who the manager is. So why would you fire him? That makes zero. There has to be, there had to be something behind the scenes. There had to be. Manfred said, we're not going to take your trophy. We're not going to take your World Series, but you got to fire your manager and your general manager. I don't know. Got to be. I agree. Got to be. It's, 
All, all I'm saying is they there need to be a standing ovation. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a hell of a pitching matchup game one. You want to dive? Yeah, so let's yeah, so we might as well. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Let's let's take a quick break. Okay. Give a give a word to our uh, other podcast that we have on this amazing Apollo Podcast Network. I am Brian the Lima. He's Apollo Des. Follow us on Twitter at Apollo H O U. Des can be found at Apollo Des One. And I can be found at BLima790. We're going to take a quick break, and we will dive into the three-game series with the Houston Astros taking on the Detroit Tigers starting this evening at 7.10 p.m. Don't go anywhere. Segment three on the way, Beyond the Diamond podcast, here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Third and final segment here on Beyond the Diamond Podcast. Brian Lalima, Apollo Dez here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Follow us at Apollo H-O-U. Dez can be found on Twitter at Apollo Dez 1. I can be found at BLima790. And Dez, uh, we just got done talking about A.J. Hinch and how he deserves a standing ovation. Um, he's done so many good things. Uh, but let's get, let's get into the actual series. We've got a good lineup. For uh, yeah, good pitching lineup, good pitching rotation, I should say, for the Astros. Uh, you've got Grinky, Odorizzi, McCullers Jr. They're going to take on Mize, Boyd, and Fulmer. So yeah. Mize, I know you mentioned him earlier. That's one of the guys that uh, you know it's going to be pretty exciting to see. I think I think you said you might try to make it out to the ballpark tomorrow night. Yeah, I think uh, we have an event tomorrow that we're doing. Me and you are in um, after that. Um, little event we have. We'll be doing content all day for, for them on Twitter. We'll keep it a secret for right now. But uh, from there, I'll probably go to the ballpark just to to, to see AJ Hinch um, and his return. Uh, but Casey Mize is a stud. He's a he's a top prospect, one of the best arms in Major League Baseball, up and coming. Um, and you get to see him and Grinky go toe to toes and be really, really, really nice to see. Um, the lineup for the Tigers. We'll see. Hey, Cy Fair, Robbie yeah, Grossman. Yeah, Astro, Robbie Grossman. Astro. Um, I mean, they have some guys. Uh, Candelario, Goodrum. They have some some decent guys that are are all right. Mazzara and Schwab and uh, Wilson Ramos. I think has hit three straight three straight days with a home run. Home run. So they have a little pop. Um, nothing to write home about. But uh, they'll be fired up to play play the boys here in in Houston. So, uh. Really excited to see uh, that matchup tomorrow, and then I may even make it to the first dollar dog night on Tuesday. I'm still debating that uh, to go maybe to go see Odorizzi's first start as an Astro. Um, that's up in the air on, on my agenda, but um, we have our horses going, so we, I expect a sweep. Yeah, t- Tuesday. Or I'm sorry, uh, not Tuesday. Uh, I'm reading another thing here. Uh, Casey Mize threw last Tuesday against the Twins. Uh, Four innings, five hits, one earned run, four Ks, two walks. Nothing crazy. Uh, he is a former number one pick. Very talented, highly regarded prospect for the Detroit Tigers. So he'll get his get a taste of Minute Maid Park taking on Zach Grinke. So I look forward to seeing what Casey Mize uh, can bring to the table. Obviously, the Astros had the day off today, which is Sunday as we're recording this podcast to drop on Monday. Um, you know... You nailed it for Zach Grinke on his last outing. I nailed it on the first one. You had six innings, and then his last outing, he had seven innings. So I expect yep. some of the same, especially being at home. He's 2-0. and uh, I'm sorry, 1-0 on the season, 1.38 ERA. Uh, his last outing against the Angels, seven innings, five hits, two earned runs, uh, one walk, four Ks. Uh, the opening... You know, the uh, season opener, six innings, three hits, no earned runs, no walks, four cases. There's only, Greggy's only walked one guy in two outs. Like, that's, that's one of the biggest things that stands out to me. Obviously, the K numbers for Greggy is going to be low. He doesn't have the, the big time velocity on the fastball anymore, but he's such a craftsman on the mound these days. He's almost sure. um, Greg Maddox like these days uh, with, with mixing in pitches, the movement on the pitches. Um, you know, we always see the EFIS type pitch. He's just a craftsman these days. So look, I look forward to uh, another strong outing from Zach Grinke. I'm going to say that he throws another solid six innings, uh, especially with a younger lineup in the Detroit Tigers. We'll probably see a more aggressive Detroit Tiger offense. You know, swinging at first pitch, trying to trying to get you know trying to attack fastballs or or hunt certain pitches. So I could see uh, the Tigers being a lot more of free swingers. So I can see 
a low pitch count for Zach Greinke and throwing another solid six. Um, I think the off day on Sunday is a, is a big deal, especially for the staff. Then you've got uh, Jake Odorizzi. He's going to make his season debut. What do you think about Odorizzi? We saw him when we were down in West Palm Beach working on a few pitches. Uh, he got hit around. But then when he went off to the alternative side, he pitched pretty well. So um, he's a guy that's going to be that's going to be counted on further down the season. What do you what do you think or what do you expect from Odorizzi in a season debut? Yeah, I mean, I've I've teased it a bit on the timeline. I don't like the move of sending Javier down, who just went seven, six or seven the other on opening night. I forgot what he did, uh, the home opener, but. Uh, I don't like it. I, I I don't think Odorizzi's as good as everyone's saying he is. He's a reverse blitz guy. The right-handed bats are gonna are gonna get to him. I, I could see the Tigers stacking their lineup with right-handed bats and getting after him here at the short porch with Minime Park. Um, it makes zero sense sitting down Javier. I, I know they're saying to extend his arm and all this other bullshit. Look, if Odorizzi and Framber are your guys that are gonna bolster this rotation. Javier's going to go to the bullpen no matter what. So why are you sending him down to stretch him out? Our bullpen needs help right now in this moment. We need to win games now. So if in a perfect world, Odorizzi's a starter and Framber's back, and then you have Grinky McCullers, and then you have Ucredi, Javier has to go to the bullpen no matter what. So why not put him in the bullpen now to get working yeah. and, and not have him at the alternate site? It makes zero sense to me. It's simple baseball. And you have all these people on Twitter they're like, oh, I agree with this move. I agree with this move. You don't understand the game. You don't understand the game. It's about maximizing wins when you have opportunities in this soft part of the schedule. And you're having an arm at an alternate site that has one playoff game. It makes zero sense to me. But here we are. Odor is he's back, whatever. I'm going to go just to, he's probably going to throw a fucking no hitter now, but whatever. <laughs> I'm, that's my rant. <laughs> yeah, book it or no? Book it. He's throwing a no hitter now to spite me. He probably will point. Oh, uh, you know what? I'll buy tickets behind the dugout. And I want Oda Rizzi to listen to this on Monday, use it to fuel him, throw a no hitter, and point to me uh, right behind the dugout. Speaking That's of, what I want. Of, because uh, I may just root against. I may be a Tiger fan on Tuesday just to prove a point. Speaking of, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just pissed right now, Brian. <laughs> Speaking of uh, no hitters, our, our guy Joe Musgrove throw through the uh, first. Ever no hitter for the San Diego Padres against yeah, awesome. the Arlington Rangers in Arlington. There's no better team than to throw a no hitter against than the Arlington Rangers. So good for Joe Musgrove, ex Astro, did a lot for the Astros in 2017. World Series champion, World, yeah, World Series champion. Also caught a beer from uh, one of the fans during the parade. Shotgun it right then and there. What a what a guy, yeah. man! I, I, just a guy being just, yeah, just guy he being can a, party with us. You think he parties? He parties for sure. But uh, looking after Odorizzi after he throws his no-hitter, uh, I can't wait for someone to cut that, that piece right there. Uh, Lance is going to take on, uh, is it Brad Fulmer? Uh, I believe Michael Fulmer. Ah, dude. Uh, yes, Michael Fulmer. Fulmer. Yeah, um, yeah that in game, game three. Man, that was a good rant. I'll give you that. Thank I like you. that. That's, that's, that's what we Thank do. That's, it's what we do. What we do. At Apollo, Apollo H-O-U. It's what we do. Uh, McCullers taking on Michael Fulmer. Again, for me, it's about pitch count. Can he keep it low? Can he get past five innings? Um, I'm saying, I guess, as we wrap up this segment coming up on our time here, the Astros are going to go two or three against the Tigers. I, yeah, I expect a sweep. Uh, I mean, I expect nothing but winning the series, absolutely. But um, I prefer a sweep. Yeah, I against the Tigers. Yeah, I say uh, between between Odorizzi and McCullers, one of them is not going to get past four minutes. I don't know which. Um, that's just my question mark for this series. Just win the series and I'm cool. Just win, win yeah, the series. Win the series. Uh, I don't know. I like Odorizzi. I think he's going to... I think he'll help the Astros down the stretch um, here early on. Not too sure. And then obviously Lance McCullers so far in the two... Uh, two outings this season. His pitch count gets up there pretty early. Uh, but again, he's pitching at home. He's pitching against a, long, uh, uh, a young Detroit Tigers lineup. We'll see. Uh, no less than a, a series win, at least, for the Houston Astros. So, 100%. I'm just glad the baseball is back. Yeah, me you too. know, I mean, I, 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 we cover 
mainly the Astros and the Rockets, right? We've got our, our Rocket side for Apollo HOU by Jackson Gatlin and his phenomenal team. They do such a good job with content, podcasts. Check out all of their podcasts on our Apollo Podcast Network. Excuse me, Apollo Podcast Network. Um, and then we've got our, uh, our Astros sides. I completely forgot that the Houston Rockets are still playing basketball because I've been so inundated with the Houston Astros. Yeah. yeah, we're a baseball town. At the end of the day, we're a baseball town. And that's who we are through and through. And I'm, I'm just glad. I mean, I hate off days, but it's Master Sunday. We get to record this. There's no game. There's no afternoon game. We're, we're sweating or, or working around. Um, I, I don't. I don't mind it, so I'm glad it's all back. Yeah, usually there's a, a Sunday afternoon game that starts at 1 o'clock, but for some reason, scheduling-wise, that's not the case. So I'll take the Sunday off, get to catch some Masters coverage, like you said. Uh, we'll see if Matsuyama can hang on to his three-stroke lead playing uh, at Augusta. But, you know, that's, that's really going to do it, Des. Another, another episode done. A nice, smooth podcast. You got any uh, final words before I try not to ramble on and get us out of here? Uh, no, just make sure you follow at Apollo HOU. Um, thank you for all the continued support. Like I say, every episode, like, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, leave a five-star review. Um, and we're just keep working, putting our heads down and going to work for you guys and uh, the city. Yeah, shout out to our guys that, that you know, take the, the video straight to our Twitter page as soon as they... As soon as they finish, I mean, we've got Tony yeah, and yeah, Tony and Jake and Josh and Ben, all the guys that are just doing phenomenal content work for us at Apollo HOU. Just like Des, Des said, follow us at Apollo HOU on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Apollo HOU. Uh, follow them all. I mean, if you want good, you want good, good Astros covers, good uh, Astros content, Rockets content. And, you know, you want the bad boys of podcasting. Here we are right here. Brian Lima and Apollo Des, baby. Beyond the Diamond Podcast. That's going to do it. Episode four is done. It's in the books. He's Apollo Des on Twitter at Apollo Des 1. I am Brian Lima at BLima790. Tune in next week. We'll cover the series against Detroit. We'll look forward to the Astros traveling to Seattle. Take on the and the boys. Take on the. We may be take on the Mariners. We may be going. We may be going to Colorado we next week. We still got. We could be doing we it. Could. So bad boys of podcasting may be doing the first road trip Tuesday and Wednesday of uh, a couple weeks from now. Not it's right around the corner. So yeah. just continue to follow us. That's going to do it. Another episode in the books. Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. <laughs>